There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth. Revealing emotion, strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy from the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Welcome back to round three of this Woke Man series. <laughs> this in particular interview with my man Fee, we've tried twice before and it's been interjected by something greater, but now we're doing it again and I think we are for sure ready. But here I am with my Woke Man bro- brother on the greatest case study on men, Woke Man series, Fee. Thank you, brother, for joining me. Thank you for having me on, brother. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, welcome, man. Righto, brother. First question. You know the deal. Where did you grow up and where do you live now? So I grew up on a dairy farm in the southeast of Ireland outside of a town called Kilkenny. Um, Left there when I was 18, lived in France, England, Scotland, and now live in Perth, Western Australia. Mm, Is Kilkenny the beer country? Yes. Yeah, it's where the beer comes from. But um, yeah, it's like Foster's in Australia. Nobody in Ireland actually drinks it. It was brewed for the export market. Fuck, that's hilarious. And how old are you now, man? I'm 41. Cool. And, and what are you doing for a living? Uh, I've just started working FIFO, so I work up on a mine site doing uh, the catering and service side of that. And yeah. I'm st- studying uh, youth work online. Mm, cool, man. What made you want to study youth work? Um, just kind of in, over the last year, going to a lot of the, the men's work um, stuff. I kind of got that whole thing of what, what if we could get to, to guys a bit younger? Yeah. And get on the path and get people dealing with learning the tools to deal with the stuff that comes up in life from from their teen years or early 20s, I think it'd be so powerful to, to give that as a gift to young men. Yeah, is that something that you would have, have hoped to have back at your, that age? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I was growing up, the youth work was, the only youth work you had was in the Catholic Church. Yeah, okay. So there's not a whole lot of yourself that you can really bring there. So, yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny. And yeah. so you spent a lot of years in the hospitality industry and you've just done a recent change, haven't you? Yeah, I uh, started in hospitality in 97 when I moved to yeah. France. I started in a cafe there. Yeah. Uh, yes, I've been in, in management for about 20 years. And yeah. Um, yeah, just uh, the joy of COVID, it gave me time to really sit and think about where I wanted to go. and what I've been, I've been, I've been on the way out of hospitality for a while, but not yeah. really knowing where I wanted to go. Yeah. yeah. And having five weeks to sit and reflect during COVID, and in that five weeks, I, I, I fell on youth work and um, booked wow. it in for a course and quit my job. What a shift, eh? That's awesome, brother. It's it's been incredible. What's one thing you're really good at, man? Um, I'm really good at making connections with people. Yeah. Um, Just kind of meeting people where they are, reading them, getting a general vibe from them. Yeah. Actually kind of cutting past the bullshit and just getting into what's real for them and and who they are and and what they're looking for. Yeah, I guess working in the hospitality industry for so long would have definitely helped that, hey? Absolutely. And it's kind of one of those things, the chicken or egg, was I good at hospitality because I was good at reading people or did I become good at reading people? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I'm not sure. It's kind of a chicken or an egg story. I'm not sure whether I became good at connecting with people because I was in hospitality or I became good at hospitality because I was good at reading, connecting with people. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah, totally. It's very interesting. But it's going to be good for your next journey with youth work and everything like that, isn't it? 
and that's it you know it's kind of learning to read people learning to bring my whole self yeah. into that space and, and that's kind of something that i've been i've been learning a lot recently as well is that to bring everything of me into a situation not just kind of not having to change hats all the time actually bring myself in with this hat that i am the truth yeah yeah that's cool man what's one of your biggest fears um, biggest fear, probably, yeah, it's probably one of the things I crave most as well is intimacy. Yeah. Funnily enough, it's um, and it's something that I'm working through quite a bit at the moment as well. Um, both emotional and and physical intimacy are yeah are yeah, a bit of a fear for me. This kind of um, yeah. So yeah, I'm working with that. I'm kind of doing like you're scared. Through. You're scared of not having intimacy, or you're scared of giving intimacy. Um, it's, it's the it's the having of intimacy. It's not, like, not having, know, yeah, not having. Like I feel like I give a lot of myself, but actually receiving intimacy yeah. from okay. from other people is is something that um, can often send me running for the hills. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, fair enough, man. I can see that too. Yeah. Well, like it's definitely one of those things. Is like if you're um, not receiving, that really means a lot to you. Like one, is it the people? Is it the, are you having the wrong people around, or, or what do you think that is? Um, it could, it could be a bit of that. It's also a bit of, um, you know, especially when it comes to relationships and things like that, I probably hang up from my childhood and, you know, growing up gay in the, in Catholic farming Ireland. That, um, where you really chose, you really chose a difficult fucking place to do that, man. <laughs> and to make it even better, my parents sent me to the oldest Catholic secondary school in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> do you know if there's any people that later came out that went to the same school as you? Yeah, there's quite, there was quite a few guys in my year that, that have since come out. Like I, I don't have any real contact with people from home. Yeah. I left two weeks out of high school, never really to return. Yeah. But I know that there was, there was quite a few guys in my year, and even a few guys that I was friendly with, that we never, it was never discussed, but that um, quite a few of us have, have come out since then. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Hey, like, it's like, what, it just sort of shines a light on truth, the, the, the real truth that, you know, it's, you can't deny the fact that there is an urge to be your true self, no matter what sexual tendencies you have, that it doesn't come from a specific religion or a sect. Right. And, 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 and that's it. You know, we, we are who we are, you know, we yeah. are who we, who we grow to be. So you can put whatever you kind of institutions around that, that an intolerance around that. It's still at the end of the day, yeah. you know, truth wins. The yeah. truth comes out. I agree, bro. I agree. What's uh, your favorite quote? Favorite quote, um, and this is one that kind of blew my mind when I first heard it um, on, on this path, is that um, your wounds are probably not your fault, but your healing is your responsibility. Amen. How does, yeah, that, that, how does that feel for you? Like, what does that mean for you? Um, that was incredibly empowering for me. It kind of it hit me when I was probably in the depths of victim mode in, when I was going through this healing journey. And I was actually hearing it on a podcast. I think it was um, Tully and Luke Smith were, and one of the guys said and I was like holy shit I can do that it's all my trauma and the pain and I was projecting out with all oh, this happened to me that mm-hmm. happened to me and I, like, and I was stuck in that on that hamster wheel yeah. of all the stuff that happened rather than actually focusing on well I can heal this yeah. and it's my responsibility and it's it's my you know I get to heal all of this myself yeah and not, not have not have somebody else to heal me that it's it's me and I yeah. can do this and I have, the, I have the strength and the power to do all of this isn't that powerful, eh? Taking yeah, your power back. 100%, man. It was, I remember just sitting there afterwards going, and I kind of replayed that segment again and again and again. I was like, shit, I can do all of this. Mm. And yeah, it was from there, then just, it just exploded. And I looked, uh, that's when I really kind of got stuck in and went, right, let's really work on healing all of this. Because I was working with a coach, I was working with Finn for uh, probably about six months at this point. But I was always kind of going away going, oh, I've got to do this work for Finn, or I've got this homework to do. Yeah. And that kind of helped, that just helped like flip it on its head. It's like, I get to do all this stuff. This is, yeah. yeah, he's given me all these exercises for me to find my own power to work through all of this stuff myself. And it, it just, it really accelerated my journey from there. Fuck, that's awesome, brother. I love that. What's a conscious man to you? I think a conscious man is curious. It's someone who sees how 
all the ways we show up in the world and our thoughts and our actions, the impact that has on ourselves and us around us, and are curious to how we can do it better, how we can yeah. show up better for ourselves and better for everyone around us. Um, that we kind yeah. of, yeah, it's, yeah, that's, that's, that's it's it. Like, it's like cur it's curious to see your potential or to see how you're interacting with others and curious to see just like the dynamics around you. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm curious to see how, how we can change that for the yeah. better for ourselves and for everybody else. Yeah, cool, bro, cool. What's one thing that challenges you right now? Uh, that'd be probably consistency. Yeah. Especially as my world changes and I've just changed careers, changed works, I'm, I'm studying, and just finding that balance to, and that rhythm and flow for myself as, as everything changes to kind of keep all the stuff that, is good and nourishing for me yeah. and keeping that going because you know when challenges come in the first thing that you throw out is the good shit yeah <laughs> you know yeah you kind know, of when, when when i start getting challenged things change my breathwork practice drops off my meditation practice drops off my movement all the really good shit for myself yeah and even going into changing going studying and studying online and, for, and hitting a consistency with that because um I haven't studied since 1997 yeah. I left high school yeah. and now I'm, I'm studying online with no, um, no deadlines. You've got 12 months to finish the course, but there's no, there's no deadlines within it. You do it at your own pace as long as you got it done within this period of time. Yeah. And I think kind of finding that consistency and that discipline to actually yeah. go, okay, well, I need to get these units done so I can do these units and putting everything in in place and keeping that moving is mm. um, definitely a challenge. So you needing to like install some more discipline and willpower, hey? Yeah, 100%. And that's kind of going back up this swing. That's something that I'm very much putting in kind of these days when I finish work, I do an hour and a half or two hours of study, you know, go to the gym, go home and put all those stuff, all those things back into place, get up yeah. that 15 minutes earlier every day and do some breath work or do a meditation and all the stuff that I know helps me turn up in the world as a better person, a better version of me or yeah. it keeps me supported within myself. Yeah. I love that. Cool, brother. There's definitely like an aspect to that is like, um, well, one is like what I've found is like, is it in a highest values? What I've found too is like procrastination's been a big thing for me in my life too, man. It's like, you're just like, oh, fuck, couch and Netflix looks way better than that shit. And uh, the that. reality <laughs> is, yeah, the reality is, is like, is it actually in our high, have we placed enough perceived value on it and placed it up our value order, say, do we actually value this enough in life? And when I've like done that exercise, I've found that it um, naturally becomes, it naturally reduces the level of procrastination. So it may be just that, bro, is that you, you just haven't placed enough value on it yet too. I yeah. don't know. That's just work for me, man. Still yeah. gets me though. Procrastination just gets you like you're like this. Oh, I just want to scroll for a little bit, you know. And that's it. I'm a master procrastinator. Like I'm the I'm the guy that's when he's going away on holidays or going traveling and stuff. Like five minutes earlier, like, before I've got to leave the house, go fuck. Where's my backpack? You know, <laughs> to to start packing. <laughs> you know, I'll just chuck it in. I'll work it out on the way. You know. Oh uh, shit, that's that, that stresses me out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> What's, what's unconditional love mean to you? Um, unconditional love, it's love without expectation. It's mm. complete acceptance. Um, and it has to start, I think, from within. Mm. Um, it's not saying that you, want, you don't want better, you don't want, but it's just it's accepting and loving yourself or another person exactly where they are. Yeah. Um, without expectation of change, without ex even expectation of that coming back. It's, um, yeah, it's... That deep acceptance, eh? Yeah, just that deep acceptance. It's, it's loving somebody with and because of everything, not in spite of. Yeah, yeah. It's an it's a, it's a interesting practice too, because like I, I can feel moments when you get to a point of like unconditional love where you just almost like you've been humbled or something's just like really just brought you down to earth and you just go, fuck, I've just been so caught up in my ego and putting so many conditions and, and expectations on this relationship or this friendship. And yeah, uh, it's something that I still work towards. I don't know about yourself. Do you still, 
do you have moments of unconditional love? I think I, I have moments when when it comes in, but it's definitely it's definitely a journey. It's definitely something that I think you need to almost consciously work on to yeah. instill within yourself to break down expectations and kind of break down that mm. need for it to come back and just to just to truly accept. Yeah, yeah, I love that. You know, and I think it's part of the human condition. It's 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 a difficult thing to achieve it, uh, but it's definitely something that worth working towards. Mm-hmm. Well, do you believe in a greater power and what is that to you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe that we come from spirit and we return to spirit. It's funny. I'm slowly making friends with the word God again. It's, it's a word I threw out oh, yeah. a long time ago. Um, but it's one that's coming back around in a different form to the form that I was taught growing up. I had such negative connotations to that word God. Um, but now it's learning to see that everywhere. Um, and I don't know, man, it's, I challenge anyone to stare into another human's eyes, another person's eyes and not see God in there. Um, it's, it's, God is, God is part of us and we are a part of God and everything around us. It's, if you're seeing the beauty of nature, man, I start every day when I'm not on site at the ocean at sunrise and seeing the power of the ocean, it's very difficult to, to not believe in some form of higher power or some God. Yeah, man. Yeah, I can totally resonate with that. It's funny that uh, God, what did God used to mean to you in the church days? Like, um, we were we weren't raised with the fire and brimstone god of the, the like that old catholic god we, like we were raised with god is love but that love came with a lot of conditions yeah you know and um especially as i went through my period of coming to terms with myself and who i am um that god didn't really resonate because church said that that god doesn't love who i am so it became a really abusive relationship with because I, I used to be super active in the Catholic Church. I was a Eucharistic minister. I was in the choir. Um, wow. Used to go on youth retreats and stuff like that. And then it was kind of when I left home and moved to France at the age of eighteen. Then when I started really kind of discovering myself and giving myself the space to to grow and fill all the corners of of who I was and feel who I was. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, that that God doesn't doesn't resonate. That God doesn't love who I am. So. Yeah. And if God is supposed to be love, then that God can't exist. Yeah. yeah. Is the way I kind of rationalized it. Yeah, totally, man. That's so true. It's really cool that you can see that differently now. And just, it's like, I feel like we're going to look back at this time in like a hundred years and just be like, what the fuck were we thinking? Like yeah. all the things that we used to say and think and believe, like, so interesting, and you, dude. And you, and you see it now with the awakening that's happening, the spiritual awakening that's happening. You know, it's gaining momentum so quickly. It's... It's kind of how quickly it's changing, even in the space of five years. Yeah, uh, how that's all changed, and the narrative is is changing. And people's people are opening up and and realizing the God that is. Yeah, totally, bro. Totally, man. So we're getting to the main de- the main questions now, and <clears throat> on your conscious journey. This is more so your personal journey. And the first question is: What did your life look like as unwoke, and what does it look like compared to now? Um. Unwoke, I was, I was pretty much a human punching bag for myself. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of pain, a lot of shame. Um, I was a heavy drinker. I've been a heavy drinker since I was 18. Yeah. Um, and I, it was, it was just thoughtless. It was kind of, I was on autopilot and I was kind of existing day to day rather than living, I think. Yeah. Um, had didn't have much love for who I am, the man I am, and um, kind of the way I treated my body and my mind kind of really that really showed it. It was, yeah, just beat the shit out of myself, just physically, emotionally, um, with health, everything. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah why, so do you, why do you think you depression? Why do you think your dad 
you're saying your dad didn't love you for who you were? Did he know that you were um, gay or did no. he? No, no, it was, it, was, it was God that didn't love me for who, for who I was. Um, oh, get God. I thought you said dad. God. No, God, God. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what were you, what were you think you were using the alcohol to in your life for? Um, alcohol was a great way for me to hide okay. from, from myself. Um, it was funny. It was kind of one of those ones. It, it numbed the pain. Yeah. But also it allowed me to kind of almost function in in this space and like working in hospitality you know hiding behind alcohol is is very easy it's you're seen as a bit of a bit of a champ if you can drink 20 pints yeah um, totally and it's kind of always been that way um so kind of it almost gave me a personality <laughs> you know that i was able i was able to change who i was i was able to um i suppose define myself by alcohol but it also the other flip side of it was kind of you know, when you, the following day when you, you have a hangover and you're, you're literally dying, it gave me, it gave a reason for the way I felt inside. Because I was able to kind of go, okay, I feel like shit because I'm hungover rather than I just feel like shit and I don't know why. Yeah. So. Yeah. Interesting. And what's it look like compared to now? Uh, well, I quit drinking last November. Wow, good um, on you, man. So, yeah, there's been a couple of hiccups between since then, but generally sober since November. Um, and, yeah, I've got a whole new whole new love for life. It's, mm. you know, I've gone from working, drinking all night, sleeping all day to, you know, I get up at 4.30 in the morning, meet my mates down at the beach at 5 a.m., go for a morning swim, start the day with real connection with people, which is something yeah. that I avoided. And... Um, now it's, you know, I've, I'm pretty much vegetarian. I've changed my diet to be a lot healthier. Wow, you're looking after your body. Yeah. As opposed to hating it. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck, absolutely. man, that's awesome. It, yeah, it, it, was a, it was a huge, huge shift for me mm-hmm. to go from that guy who, again, as, as I said earlier, just really didn't love himself to, to really loving myself now and being proud of the man I am and mm. um, really putting the work into being a better version of me yeah. and just for myself, you know, and not, not putting it out there for anyone else. Yeah. There's obviously a ripple effect, but all this work that I do on myself, it's, it's for me to, yeah. for me to live a better life and to, you know, go to bed at night feeling good with myself. That's awesome, man. I love that. What was your biggest vice? Was it alcohol and drugs or was there something else? Alcohol, drugs, uh, food. Yeah. Food was another, was another one. Um, How did that show yeah. up? You're just like just always eating fucking oh, shit. M- massive emotional leader, yeah. massive emotional leader, and really shit food choices. Yeah, um, you know, so they would drive into Macca's on the way home, um, just living off junk food and just no thought. It was, it was. I kind of, I had no connection yeah. with food, with nourishment in any sense, be it physical, like movement or or food. Yeah. And I, I, I had no connection with myself, so I just didn't give a shit what I put into myself. Mm. Yeah, that's, cool. Yeah, that's changed a lot. <laughs> yeah, that I can tell, man. Just some of the stuff that you've been doing now and on this journey, it's like, fuck, it's just like a whole new lease on life. So it's really cool to share this part of your journey, man. What, what about the emotion? What emotion challenged you most? Probably shame. Yeah. Um, about your sexuality? Yeah, that's a part of it. Um, that, that was a huge part of it was shame about my sexuality. I mean, um, I remember as a kid, the first conversation that like, we had at home about about sexuality, I think it was, I think one of my cousins, the first of my cousins had just come out of the closet. And my mom sat with me down, I can't, I was probably 11, 12 years old, and, you know, talking about sexual, homosexuality. And it's, but it started with, we're all God's children, but. Yeah. Now, nothing good ever comes after a but in a statement like that. And you know, like bless my mom, she was that was the best she could do with the knowledge she had at the yeah. time. But and she's a, a product of her upbringing as well. And um, totally, man, yeah, that's so beautiful. There was a lot of lot of need to hide from from who I am, and probably where a lot of the fear of intimacy comes from too. 
Um, uh, but there's also kind of shame outside of that about masculinity, not necessarily connected to my sexuality, but growing up on a farm, but I was kind of a more sensitive, artistic yeah. boy. I wasn't that... Like not going to go grab the hammer and fucking help pull up, put up a fence or something? No. Oh, I was made to do it, but I hated, <laughs> I, I, I hated every second of it. Yeah. Um, wow. And that was the, you know, we, like growing up on the farm, we all, we all worked on the farm as well as kids. So, but yeah, it just wasn't my thing. And I just never felt that I belonged. And mm. because of that, then a lot, it just the shame spiral kind of kicked in. It was yeah. always fe- that feeling to need to hide myself or yeah. fake who I was. Yeah. To, mm-hmm. to fit in. And then obviously that feeds the shame spiral because you're ashamed of yourself for not bringing your true self forwards. And it yeah. just. So for you, that shame was really heavily contributed to the, like, the, that sort of Catholic culture and the masculine. Well, really, it comes back from not really knowing your true self and being able to express your true self and also, yeah, the sexuality aspect to it, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's- Wow, man. And have you found that you've let that go and, and found forgiveness for that? Absolutely, yeah, I've healed a, a, a lot of it, an yeah. awful lot of it over the, um, over the last while. Um, there's still bits of it that I'm working on, but it's definitely, it's a lot more acceptance yeah. within myself of, of who I am, both as a man and yeah. as a gay man. Yeah. Was it really healing for you when you came out and told, like, what, tell us that, that, that experience? Yeah, that was that was hilarious. Um, I never really got to come out to my parents. Um, I'd gone home a bunch of times to come out and never did it. And I was right, I was living in England at the time, and I was kind of ran back to England with my tail between my legs. Yeah. And my younger sister came and stayed in England with me for for a summer, and I was going back with her to visit the family. And she she was like, "If you don't do it this time, I'm outing you." Whoa. And I was like, "The fuck!" <laughs> but um, so I went so she back. knew. How long did she know for? Um, she's, oh, she's, she started, I started bringing her to the pub when, when she was underage, when I was still living in Ireland. And at the time I, like, I was hanging, a lot of people hanging out with their poets, musicians, writers and stuff. And it was yeah. all, everyone was, everyone was bisexual or everyone was experimenting. The creative scene. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So she saw that side of me. I think like all of my siblings at that point knew, um, but just, I hadn't told mum and dad. Um, so yeah, we get back to Ireland, I'm sitting with mom. I dropped out of uni the previous year as well, but hadn't told them. So I was sitting at the table, I told mom that I dropped out of uni. She's like, yeah, I pretty much guessed that. I'm like, cool. So I'm like, cool, I want to sit down and chat to you and dad tonight anyway. And got up to walk away from the table and she was like, sit back down. Oh no, oh. now comes the bollocking for university. She was like, oh, I knew before you did. And I was like, in my head, I was still, you knew I dropped out of university before <laughs> I did. <laughs> Because <laughs> in my head, they had no idea. Yeah. And, she, and I was like, knew what? And she's like, I knew you were gay before you did. And I was like, oh, you fucking bitch. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's hilarious. And I was like, why didn't you say anything? She was like, oh, well, until you hit the point of confidence that you were able to tell me, so that you, you'd have always denied it. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's pretty fair. Then I was like, oh, shit, dad. Yeah. So what about dad? She's like, oh, yeah, he worked it out last Easter. Wow, that's so funny. And that was it. So yeah, I never, I never got to say the line, "Mum, Dad, I'm gay." And so, did you go and can have a conversation with your dad after that, though? No, we never, we never had a conversation about it. It was just kind of once, it, once it was done and once it was out there, it, it was out. I mean, the next time I came back, Dad started cracking gay jokes. Yeah. You know, was, and we're sitting at the table. Not my, I'm one of five kids, so when you get us all around the table, it's really fucking loud. Yeah. Um. And I, we're just joking and ripping off, ripping the shit out of each other. And then my dad goes, oh, it's terribly queer around here all of a sudden. <laughs> and I had the f- flash of, I had the flash of, you fucking what? And then I was like, whoa, this is like, this is acceptance. We don't need to have a conversation about it. This is, I'm the same as the rest of the kids. And he's, he's, he's going to make a joke about whatever we're doing or whatever we're into. Yeah. And that's, that's just it. So you don't need to have a conversation. About Did you it. find just, that okay? Yeah, that was amazing. It was, it was, it was, it was, there was that split second of anger. And then when I realized what he was, what he was doing, I was like, well, that's all you yeah. can, all you can ever hope from your parents is love and acceptance. Yeah. I mean, now like all they want from me is to, you know, find a nice man, settle down, 
you know, have two dogs and live happily ever after. That's beautiful, um, man. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's awesome. I'm one of the really lucky ones in, in that sense. I know a lot sense. of people. Especially coming it's... from the Catholic background, right? Like they've just fully opened up and accepted that. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, and I think kind of as we grew up from kids to adults, they, my, my parents grew up with us in shedding a lot of a lot of the old beliefs and the old thoughts and, you know, growing up just all the, all you want for your children is happiness and, and love and you know they don't give a shit as long as as long as i'm happy um they don't care who i go to bed with at the end of the night you know yeah. that's literally that's the only issue with parents not being okay with their kids being gay is the fact is the sex part because yeah. every parent every parent wants their kids to fall in love every parent wants their kids to be happy yeah and, you know, and they just want, well, who I have sex with isn't really that important to them. Yeah, it's totally. Me being happy and is, is what's important. Yeah, I love that, bro. Whose love did you crave most growing up? And who did you have to be to get it? Um, that would be dad. Is that because uh, of the masculinity thing? It was a masculinity thing, was, was a big part of it. Um, but also, it was being an Irish farmer. He was, you know, I mean, he worked 6 a.m. till... 7 p.m. seven days a week so while he was there physically present he wasn't probably emotionally present i mean i was actually thinking about this the other night and when he was my age he had five kids you know that's that's a lot of fucking pressure yeah. you know to and his way of showing love was by providing yeah so had i to. always yeah i always had dad's love it just what it didn't come in you didn't conceive it the same way. You was like, oh, yeah. this is my fault that he's not, you know, doing it like the movies or the pictures. Yeah, ab- absolutely. It was kind of, I needed more, a more emotional dad there. And dad wasn't an emotional man when we were growing up. He was, yeah. he was, he was pretty emotionally unavailable. He's, he's, he's changed heaps now. Like I often joke that, you know, I'm pretty sure he's had a stroke because like when he sees us together, he'll cry at the drop of a hat. He's super emotional. He's like really, really connected with us. We've got an amazing relationship now. I love the banter. That's so good. <laughs> well, I remember I was home back a couple of years, a few years ago for some family event. And it was, it's not often you get the five kids, the five of us in, in the same room together. Cause I've got a brother in Melbourne, a sister in England. I'm here. And then yeah. there's two of them back home. So my older brother goes, Oh, we should just get a photo of the five of us. And they were like, get it quick before he sees because he'll be a blubbering mess in the corner. <laughs> but sure enough, he's always, he's always all standing there for a photo. You turn around, there's a tear rolling down his cheek. And, oh, that's you know, it's, 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 it's beautiful. He's, he, he loves us. He's super proud of us. Do you feel um, like he's come to see what's more important in life? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, I think um, it was back a couple of years ago when I was chatting to my sister about it. And she said, yeah, he's like, his biggest regret in life is that he feels he missed our childhood because he was working all the time um, and he was so busy providing for us that he wasn't like he uh, wasn't there in, in that sense with us. I, could, yeah. I totally feel that. I feel for him, man. I, you know, he was just doing his absolute best to provide, but you know, that's all he could do. So yeah. I feel for him. Yeah. And I think there's a, I think there's a lot of men of that generation, especially that, that feel that. You know, and I absolutely I feel for him as well, and that's why I kind of now I put as much as we can into into our relationship that we've got because yeah. it's you know he's never going to get our childhood again, but he, he can he can have our adult lives, you know, and I think that's that's pretty epic. Yeah, at least you don't have to change nappies, or at least he's probably yeah. got grandkids though, right? Oh yeah, he's, yeah, he's got grandkids back in Ireland. My older brother's got two kids. The oldest of them turns eighteen today, tomorrow. Oh, oh so the youngest of them turns eighteen tomorrow. Then my sister's got a one year almost one year old um, uh, back home as well and i've got um my sister in england's got kids and I've, I've got a nephew in melbourne as well wow do you like being so spaced out around the, like does it affect you or do you feel like um, you'd love to be together um i, th- I think we get on a lot better when we're uh when we're, when we're spaced <laughs> the time we have together is um we make the most of it yeah um, but again with the tools that we've got through you know social media through FaceTime, Skype, and all that stuff. We can, we can still really You're connect. Right there, right? Yeah, that's it. You, you, I mean, when when the COVID shutdowns happened, and my mom was in isolation in Ireland, and I wasn't working, often when I was having my dinner, I'd I'd call my mom, and she'd be having her morning coffee, and we'd sit and we'd have a chat as 
and eat together. That's so nice. Yeah, no, so interesting. Just... It's like remember the days where we used to have to send letters, and <laughs> like you know, I was thinking about this even back in the early, well before I was born. It's like you'd just write a letter and you wouldn't get a response until like potentially two three weeks later. And it's like that you had to wait for that communication because there was no other way in the early 1900s. So it was like you could only move so fast. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah. now it's like boom, 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 boom. Yeah, man, even even 97 when I was living in France, I used to write letters to a friend of mine back in Ireland. And we used to, and that, that, was, that was how we did it. It was like well pre-social media. and So wild, eh? Yeah, it's crazy to think how things have changed just in our lifetimes. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. And what was, let's talk about one of the lowest points in your life and, and was suicide ever a factor? Yeah, um, absolutely was. Um, suicide has always kind of been a thing that sat on my shoulder, probably since the, from the age of 16, 17, there was that suicide ideation thing. <laughs> this stuff would get hard. It would be like, just, just end it, man. Just, you're, you're better off gone. It kind of hit a peak last year, kind of May, June last year, when I planned it and came within within minutes of of committing suicide. Um, I was in a lot of pain, a lot of just emotional. I was alternating between complete numbness and self-harming to just emotional pain that was manifesting physically as well. And yeah, I found myself, um, you know, at Bunnings, buying the the hose that would go onto the exhaust of my car. And um, yeah, the June long weekend, I, I last year I planned to end it. And um, yeah, I was I was really lucky. I just had a moment where I wanted to speak to my brother in Melbourne and more so see his little boy, yeah, um, who was about six months old at the time. Um, because I just got this thing in my head that he wouldn't remember me and he'd be the only person out of the entire family that wouldn't remember me because he was so young. Wow. And um, when I called my little brother, luckily, luckily, Ty was in bed. And I, I was talking to Tom and I didn't tell him everything, but I just told him I was struggling and that my mental health was really bad and I was in a really shit place. And he was like, fucking sell everything, move to Melbourne. And just that second, that moment of, of clarity that I had was enough to pull me back from the edge and um, get me to get the help I needed. Um, so following morning, I woke up, I was, going to, I was moving to Melbourne, that was it. And I woke up and I was like, you know what, no, I'm not fucking running from this again. I'd run from it my entire life. It's kind of partly what brought me to Australia was running from, was running from the pain. That, running from the pain. And when I was in the UK, living in Edinburgh, I was, I was doing a lot of drugs at the time as well. And yeah. I just needed to step myself away from that. Um, I think it was a night I was in a club and there was this um, older guy in the club, like in his probably mid fifties, off his face on pills. I just looked at him, I was like, fuck, that's not gonna be me. Wow. If I stay here, that will be me. So that's when I moved to Australia. But um, fuck. yeah. Um, so yeah, so I woke up and I was like, no, I'm fucking staying right here and I'm doing something about this here. I'm finally facing all my demons. And I went to work to tell the guys at work where I was at. Um, luckily, did you, did you say to them exactly what happened? Yeah, yeah. Um, luckily, my my boss at work is also one of my best friends. He we lived together in the UK fifty. We lived together in Edinburgh fifteen years ago. Wow. So I walked into him and I pulled him out of the office and had a panic attack in front of him. And I just started by I'm not coping, and he was like, "With work or life?" And bang, I I went. And uh, uh, he was like, cool, let's, let's get you some help. That's awesome, so, man. And yeah. that started the journey for you. Yeah, that started the journey. I started seeing a psych. And in that time, I was like, I need to do something about movement. I was a lot heavier than I am now as well. And I was like, Fuck, I need to start looking after my body. And the psych was telling me to exercise. So I, that's when I started seeing Finn, uh, Complete Body Approach. I went up to see him. Um, and just thinking I was going to see him for movement. And yeah. next thing I knew, I was signed up for his 12 week wholesome model program. Got about three weeks in, I was like, why the fuck are we talking about my triggers and my values and stuff? I was, I'm, I'm here to exercise. 
<laughs> and you realize it's just as much exercise in that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Because you're like, oh, the, the self-reflection can be so painful sometimes. Oh, man. And just digging down in and unpacking all the yeah. stuff. And it's, yeah. it can be exhausting. Yeah. And obviously, you can see the benefits of that now. Just, you know, as we go back to that first question of like looking so differently at life now as opposed to before, you've got more of these wholesome tools now that help you, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's like a lot of stuff that Finn Finn has given me that's kind of that I use now on a daily basis. Yeah. yeah, It's it's really, really given me the, given me the tools to change my life and turn my life around. Awesome, bro. What, what was a significant moment of awakening for you? Was it that phone call with your brother or was there something else? Um, There's been a few, even over the last, over the last 12 months, you kind of of hit different levels and then you explode into the, it was, it was, the moment of talking to my brother and kind of realizing that I didn't want to die. Yeah. Um, I just couldn't, couldn't live the way I was living and I really didn't want to live that life anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what got me started. But then that, I mean, there's been so many since there's been, you know, doing a weekend, uh, retreat with, with Tim Morrison yeah. as well, doing uncaged that tore me apart. And how do you how do you mean by that? Um, it just opened me right up, and that that was a catalyst for me stopping drinking. Um, it was just being in a space with thirty odd other men, which was terrifying for me to begin with to walk into with my issues that I had with my masculinity and walking into a space of men. Yeah. Um, and it was um, probably a thing I wouldn't have done unless I'd known some of the guys there. I knew that like someone that like Finn that I really trusted was there assisting on the on the weekend as well as supporting. Um, but just, it was my first, um, time doing a breathwork journey Yeah, was in that space and first time really connecting fully with, with other men like through just the different, um, the different exercises that we did and eye gazing and, and things like that. And really allowing someone to see me yeah. and then being completely humbled by somebody allowing me to see them yeah. fully. Yeah. Um, I, I came out of that. And just, I was like, holy shit, there is a whole different, there's a whole next, it, it, it propelled me into the next level and opened me right up energetically. And the following day, it was, it was on a Saturday or Sunday, I didn't take the Monday off work because I didn't know any better. Um, I do now. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting inside a cafe in the city with, with my boss who, who helped me um, previously in the year. And he, he just yeah. wanted to hear about the weekend because he, he does some work with Finn as well. He, he, Finn coaches him now as well. And I was sitting down, I could feel everyone that walked past me. I could feel their emotions, their anger, their pain and everything. I was like, holy fuck. And he was like, dude, you are vibrating. Wow. Like, I know, I can't. I was like, but I was like a puffer fish. Like I'd get it all under control and I'd bring it back in. And then something would excite me or something would happen. Like Oof. it was all wow. back out again. <laughs> <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> So he was, he was like, dude, take the day off, go to the beach. And that's exactly what I did. I went down, down to Coogee, jumped off the jetty. and Nice. That's awesome, man. Fuck, beautiful, bro. So awesome to have those resources so close to you, eh? Man, and that, that, uh, that, that's the thing in Perth. There's, for such a small city, yeah. there's so much happening in that world. You know, yeah. it's, you know, people like Tim, Finn, people like Cam doing his stuff with sexuality. And all all the things and you know all the workshops and everything that's happening and all the yeah. all the beautiful leaders that we have here in and coaches that we have here in Perth. It's just it's I'm convinced by head of population it's ridiculously high. Yeah, totally, man. Totally, it's so awesome. What? So you mentioned you did breath work. Uh, you went to a psychologist. What healing modality helped you most, or what healing modalities helped you most on this journey? I think the biggest thing for me was getting a coach yeah. um, and having someone to guide me through yeah. the whole process. Um, breathwork has been huge for me as well. Um, yeah. I think the biggest thing for me was, and I, I think I've referred to it a few times, is my morning swims. Um, yeah. Getting out of bed before the sun comes up, getting down to the ocean, meeting the tribe that we have there. We start off with hugs, then you jump in the... So, so mornings, depending on the weather, we do breath work on the beach as well. Then you jump yeah. into the freezing cold ocean, especially at the moment. This morning was cold. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and then you come out and 
you go for coffee together and you've got the massive community aspect, then you hug each other again. And by 6 a.m., you're starting your day. That's so awesome, though. Yeah, that's the biggest, biggest thing ever. And again, that's the biggest gift I've been given is that is that sense of community. Yeah. And you can be really so real with these people. I said these people. Like we're all so real with each other. <laughs> these people. <laughs> <laughs> but we're all so real with you. We, we bring whatever is alive for us yeah. to the table on that day. And, it, you know, it can be... It's just real connection, life's going, eh? Life's going fucking amazing. Or it could be, man, I'm really fucking struggling with this shit today. Yeah. And we're just there to hold space for each other. That's, that's fucking awesome. I love that. That's fucking incredible. Yeah. I love that, man. And what about your friend group? How has that changed as you've changed? Um... It's been it's been interesting to see the changes. I still uh, through my depression and stuff, and through I lost quite a few friends now because I withdrew. Yeah. Um, and from that, from the alcohol on the scene, or just yeah, just because I was with well, I was generally just withdrawing emotionally from people anyway, and so my best most of my best drinking was done alone. It's when I got home from work, you know, yeah. smash two bottles of wine in forty five minutes. Yeah. Crawl into bed get up, vomit, go back to work and, and repeat. It was yeah, pretty much wow. the, the life I was living for quite a while there. And um, so, yeah, it was kind of, I lost a lot of the connections. The closest friends that I had at the point when I started making the changes, started on the journey, and they're, they're still here with me. They, they don't often get what I'm doing, yeah. um, but they, they love that I'm doing it and they see the changes. Mm. Um, and they're completely respectful. They take the piss as well. As I think I was telling you last time, one of my closest mates, Dan, calls me Drum Circle. <laughs> Fuck, I love that. Eh? <laughs> that is so good. Yeah, I'll get a message going, come around to ours for dinner tonight. Bring your drums. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Drum see. Circle. But that's why I'm growing my hair out. I'm growing a top knot just to piss them off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that, man. So that's pretty good. So you've been able to integrate this change with your old friends. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I said with, with the core few, there was a lot of friendship, especially when I quit drinking as well. I was like, I'm going to fucking lose everybody because that's yeah. how I know everybody through hospitality. And that's, yeah. that's, how you that's the culture, right? Yeah. But um, the ones that have stuck with me are the ones that, they don't give a fuck if I'm drinking or not. They just want me to be present. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. had to have some better boundaries about what I go to and kind of saying no th- to things. Saying no to things or going, I'll come early and I'll leave really early because I, I, I don't want to be yeah. around it. I think the sober guy in the room is really boring. Yeah. I agree, man. And plus, you should probably want to go to like different things now, right? That's it. Yeah. That's it. I want to go. You know, go to go to a full moon drum circle. Go to a drum circle because <laughs> because they're, they're fun. Or go to, yeah. you know, there's there's always workshops going. There's always meditations or breathwork stuff or other stuff happening that, that, that really that really lights me up and builds that fire within. That's awesome, man. Follow that inspiration because you, you actually, it's just so powerful because other people see the change in you and they go, "Hey, what are you doing?" They want to ask questions, you know. Well, 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 that's it. You know, I went to the O2 Awakening workshop like a few weeks ago and I had to pop around to, to my mate's house afterwards. And he was like, I was shaking. He was like, dude, are you, are you okay? But how do you explain what goes on in those things, you know, yeah. without sounding like you've joined a cult? Yeah, because I was in a room <laughs> of 100 people screaming. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, he kind of, he was like, oh, yeah, well, I'm getting kind of curious about that. And I was like, my work here is done. I'll, I'll yeah. leave that there and just let him know if the next time I'm going. But it seems the same up on, up on sites. I've got a guy jumping in the pool with me now every day. That's you awesome, know, man. The pool cold and talking about breath work, talking about all these things. And it's... Ah, good on you, bro. Good on you, good man. Fun. What part of this conscious journey are you most grateful for? All of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, I think it's the love I found for myself. Yeah, you know, it's that that deep appreciation and acceptance of me. Yeah, um, and it's not saying that I'm still I'm there. Like it's not about enlightenment or any of that shit at all. It's about it's I appreciate the work I'm putting into myself. Yeah. I I appreciate the joy that I'm bringing to myself mm. and to others around me mm-hmm. by just f- finding that connection and that love for myself. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful, bro. And the last question we have here, 
What's one tip you'd give your old self, your younger self, who's just starting this journey, bro? Traditionally, when I'm asked these questions, I'm a bit of a jerk to my younger self. <laughs> it's like, kind of, do this. But I think it's um, have fun with it. Don't suck the joy out of it. You get, I can get, you can get so caught up in must do this workshop, must do the next workshop, must do the next, and just turning it into a hamster wheel. It's learn to slow down, breathe, and just have fun. It's yeah. it's hard work, some of it. But it's also supposed to be a lot of fun. Just just, it's supposed fun. to bring joy. Have fun, mate. That's that's a message to anyone out there right now. It's like even on this journey, man. Like you can just take it so seriously and think it's just so boring if it's serious. Yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah, be a kid uh, and play. And 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 that's that, that's what I. That, that's even the language I've started bringing into it. Is I, I'm I'm playing with with this thing today. Yeah. I'm, I'm playing with, kind of. We're, we're thinking this way or yeah, I'm playing with, I'm playing with Netflix today <laughs> <laughs> and I'm you playing know, with that bag of chips too <laughs> you know some days that is self-love <laughs> bro couldn't agree anymore man I I totally agree like I was talking to a guy about this the other day and I was like he was saying oh one of my clients he's like oh I feel I feel like I feel a little bit bad about like when I'm not doing enough or when I'm you know watching Netflix or when I'm doing that I feel guilty and I said, I totally get it because I used to feel like that too. He goes, but when you're actually having an intention to sit down and to just rest and relax and watch something that fills your heart up, then do that. Fully allow that. Fully accept it. Don't judge it. It's then it's like if you know that you're doing it for like 16 hours, your self-love practice probably doesn't need 16 hours unless you're like really, really sick or something. But like you have that discernment, but just accept it and allow it. Do you agree? Absolutely, because yeah. you know we all. Yeah, every, you, you can get so serious about about all this stuff, and and you know you can suck all the joy out of it. But yeah. you know, if you're intentionally giving yourself the breaks and the space, yeah, you know, it's it's a it's good powerful. thing. Otherwise, it's otherwise it's just exhausting, and it's it's just as bad as the previous life. Totally, because yeah, it's, you're not you're you're. Do, doing the work for yep. the sake of doing the work rather than actually just trying to be a better human to yourself. Mm. Amen, man. It's been an absolute pleasure going for round three, brother. Thank you we so got, much. We got the whole way through. Well, we did the first time, but then it just didn't say. <laughs> so we'll, we'll um, fingers crossed. But I think this has been such a needed episode, Brad. I really thank you for sharing your story and thank you for helping others to inspire them to start this path. Awesome, brother. Thank you so much for having me on. Much love. And see you next episode, everyone. In my eyes, bro, I can't see I'm gonna be who I'm destined to be Wokeness is taking my old self away Yeah, I put love into me I'm spreading that love, yo, don't you see Grab your cacao and drink it with me Cause wokeness is taking my old self away Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Bring love and just me Woke man Wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, bring love and just be.